Hey everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. Uh, we've got a special guest with us today. Peter Bookvar is joining us on very short notice, I might add, so we appreciate his time that he can give us this afternoon. He is the Chief Investment Officer over at Bleakley Advisory Group and the editor of the book report, which I highly recommend to all of our listeners. Uh, Peter, I, I reached out to you this morning. Uh, I thought about you yesterday after this move in the bond market, and then today just solidifies, like, I got to get some clarification. Uh, just looking at the 10-year yield, but all around, uh, yields are decreasing quite substantially. And, you know, if you can just give us a lay of land, you know, is this a surprise to you or what's this all about? That'd be great. So I think we, we need to, to take a step back and, and watch and, and understand and look at the, the progression of rates this year. Uh, we started the year with the 10-year at 90 basis points, the five-year at 35 basis points. And then in the first three months of the year, we, of course, had a very sharp rise coincident with uh, a big increase in inflation expectations that I believe were discounting the inflation stats we're seeing now, in addition to those yields getting goosed by the $2 trillion Biden spending plan uh, that brought a lot of uh, fiscal money into the economy on top of a recovering economy anyway because of the vaccines. And then fast forward um, to about early June. And we started to see signs that this inflationary uh, environment that we're in is actually slowing parts of the economy. It's slowing the pace of housing transactions because there's not enough inventory and, and buyers are getting sticker shock. Uh, we're seeing a, um, if you look at within the consumer confidence numbers and buying intentions of major items, we're seeing a decline in, in the desire to buy a car and major appliances because either you can't get it physically because of the, the supply problems, or uh, you don't feel like paying record high prices for, for a car right now, or certainly uh, a used car if you can't even buy a new car. Uh, obviously, we're seeing stagflationary type situations with, with auto manufacturers that are shutting down plants for weeks at a time because they can't get enough semis. Uh, so this, I you know, stagflation, I don't want to use that word. I like to use the word stagflationary because it seems to be sort of like a, a softer version of it. And it's not widespread. It's, we're seeing it in selective areas. Um, but I think that there's all of a sudden some concerns about the growth impact. We're seeing the, uh, the Citibank um, economic surprise index in the U.S. that has rolled over. And uh, so I think the, the, the and, and then you throw in, of course, the last Fed meeting three weeks ago, where you first you, you see their first tone of being slightly less dovish. So when you when that happens, the, the knee jerk reaction is to uh, see a rise in the short end, which we did see a flattening of the curve, a bounce in the dollar, selling in commodities and cyclicals. And that's pretty much what we saw. Uh, so I, I think it, it's it's um, it's an interesting phase that we're now entering the second half of whether the inflation, of course, remains sticky or not, and what the economic impact uh, is if it continues. You know, I'm in the camp, and, and we, we've talked about this before, that we're, uh, we're going to see more persistent inflation uh, than, than, than people think. I think we're not going back to uh, the, the type of economy that we saw previous in terms of inventory management. Uh, I, I wrote today that just-in-time inventory is dead, and that's a big deal because what that means is, and we saw it in the Wall Street Journal today, about uh, supermarket companies uh, taking on more inventory because they don't want to see uh, shelves that get bare again like they did last year. So not having just-in-time inventory means more inventory in the shelves, uh, 
which means that ties up more cash, meaning you have higher working capital needs, you have lower inventory turnover, you have less productivity, and chances are you can have rising prices because companies are going to try to recoup these higher costs. Uh, and the services side, I've talked about also that services inflation is never transitory, you know, unless you have a pandemic, which happens once every hundred years. Uh, but typically it is very, very persistent. And uh, wait to see what the rent numbers are going to be in, in the next couple of months uh, based on um, data I've seen from apartment list and, and certainly as a corollary to the very aggressive home price increases that we've seen that are now approaching uh, you know, 15 percent year over year. You know, we, we all have our individual kind of micro moments where we see challenges within the economy. I had mine yesterday at the grocery store. Speaking of food, uh, I'm a good American and feel like a big scoop of chunky peanut butter is an acceptable snack any time of the day. Uh, but I can't get my chunky peanut butter. It wasn't at the grocery store. So, you, so we all have these little bits, but the narrative continues to go. It, it seems like we've transitioned from the fear of inflation to more of a, a fear of of lack of growth and maybe now is kind of a peak growth moment and the business cycle was never naturally and organic able to make its move off of the peaks before the pandemic. And, you know, how do you think about that? Uh, you know, is, is growth now kind of the major driving force be be behind the economic narrative now? Well, it's, I, I, I believe it's those supply disruptions and shortages, both in products for materials and labor that's causing that economic slowdown. Uh, if if you look at the ISM services number yesterday, and uh, the, a restaurant made a quote that you know they 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 can't be open full time because they, there's not enough staff, and so it, it's that sort of supply wall that, that the economy is hitting that is then in turn naturally slowing growth. So as, as you know, we look to the second half of the year, we talk about these inflation pressures, which I don't think will subside, but at the same time, growth will moderate because the economy can't manage all of this, mm -hmm. and it is a stagflationary type situation. And you know, at the same time, if the Fed is going to be tapering, the knee-jerk, again, market reaction is to counterintuitively um, flatten the curve because they assume that that is contractionary, just as QE1, QE2, where the Fed's purpose was to lower long-term interest rates via their purchases, well, long-term interest rates actually went up in the face of their buying because the market said, you know what, this is a reflationary type policy, uh, let's steepen the curve. Uh, what about the move in the dollar? Uh, it continues to kind of move up this week uh, uh, as, the, as the bond yields move down. Any thoughts on the dollar? It continues to be overbought from what I can tell. I'm just guessing the dollar is a uh, as part of this this same trade of the Fed is going to be one of the first major banks to uh, take a step back, even though sort of the Bank of Canada did it a little bit. Uh, Australia the other day said they're going to slowly uh, cut back in QE. But I think it's it's the Fed now being the bigger one uh, getting ahead of that. And that's why the dollar is bouncing. But, um, you know, I, I still think the dollar has its its big picture long term uh, headwinds. But it was enough to see a rally since sentiment was pretty bearish just a few months ago. Um, you know, is any of this, does it surprise you of this kind of move, this drop in the yields? I mean, you mentioned kind of how accelerated the rise in yields were uh, earlier this year. 
And, you know, given everything we've seen in markets in the last year and a half, how quickly everything has uh, recovered and then grown to more all-time highs, should we be surprised at all that we're seeing this same acceleration in the bond market? Well, I, I wouldn't have guessed we would have gotten down to 130, but when we were 175-ish, uh, even though I was bearish on bonds, I certainly said, you know, this is way overdone in the short term. Uh, bonds were way oversold, like historically oversold, uh, back at the end of March. So I felt that it was consolidation time, at least through the summer, until we got more inflation stats that would help in the debate about uh, temporary or not. Uh, now, luckily, we get a CPI number t next week, which... Um, you know, where we're coming out of these year-over-year -year base effect impacts, but I still think we're going to see another strong month-over-month -month gain. And if the CPI number uh, in terms of rentals reflects what we saw in the apartment-less national report, uh, you're going to see even more aggressive service-side uh, inflation, even if you do get any moderation on the good side, which I don't see any sign of that yet. And if anything, a lot of the supply constraints I'm reading and hearing about is getting worse. You think that CPI report next week might be some of the most important data we see all summer? Well, so next week will reflect the June number, of course. I think it's the market still needs to see July and August because they'll still say, "Oh yeah, June's sort of um, reflecting," you know, the the, the, the the constraints we're seeing now. I I think I think the next couple after. Uh, if they're still running three, four, five tenths a month over a month, uh, people are going to scratch their head and say, you know what, this is, may not be receding uh, so, so quickly. Uh, we've already seen some auto companies this week that chimed in on the semiconductor issue. And um, I think it was Renault and, um, and Jaguar Land Rover yesterday that said this is running well into 2022. Yeah. Uh, what about the consumer psychology of this? What are you seeing uh, on that end? Because from what I'm observed, obviously things are more expensive, but that demand, that pent up demand is just being unleashed, continued throughout this summer. Every time I go out, obviously I've been on vacation myself and gone out and it just, things are busy, very busy, and people are willing to spend more money uh, because they weren't able to last year. What do you see on the psychological side of these of this inflation debate? Well, people are definitely seeing it, but I think that um, the, the 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 economy reopening, as you said, and, and job growth picking up, and now wages that are uh, accelerating, uh, in addition to the amount of bonuses that companies are paying out just to entice employer employees to come back to work, uh, they're able to at least afford right now and not complain too much about these, the higher rate of prices. I think that maybe in the fall, when unemployment benefits uh, wear off and the checks that people got in March basically have been spent already, uh, maybe they'll be more sensitive to uh, the inflation that we're, uh, we're currently experiencing. All right. Uh, Peter, I, I know your time's precious today. You're very busy, so we're really grateful that you could spend some of it with us. So thank you very much. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate having me. Yeah, that's uh, Peter Bookvar from The Book Report. You can go find him, bookreport.com, that with two O's and CK. And uh, he's also the chief investment officer at Bleakley Advisory Group. That's it for us today on the pod, guys. We'll be back tomorrow morning with a news briefing. Be well. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. 
please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.